There we are. Hello everyone, it's Catherine Colas here from Simply Hormones and I'm so pleased today that I've found somebody else to share my platform and start talking about vaginas. There's not enough of it out there and I'm talking today to Jane Lewis and I met Jane at uh, the Channel 5 TV studios uh, in about October 2017 when Channel 5 dedicated a whole half hour to menopause. Isn't that fantastic? And they invited a panel, if you like, to discuss what was going on. And one of them was Jane Lewis. And she has a, a particularly uh, horrific, I think I would call it, because it's not affecting me as badly as that story to tell. And she has been brave enough to put this all down in a book. And she's called it Me and My Menopausal Vagina. Um, and you'll be able to buy that uh, from Amazon and all sorts of places, and, um, and I urge you to buy it because it's got so much valuable information, and you'll also have a laugh at the same time. So welcome, Jane. It's lovely to speak to you. Hi, Catherine. Thank you for inviting me to talk today. Yes, it's a real pleasure. Um, and I've read through your, your book. I couldn't put it down. It's one of those unputdownable books, and... Um, I've made a note of a few of the things that I wanted to just mention to you while we uh, were talking here today. And the first thing was, because it brought back my own thoughts of when I first discovered vaginal atrophy, and I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was thrush. And I sought out all sorts of treatments, exactly as you explain in your book. And, I, and then I went to a pharmacist, and he asked me, was the pain in, internally or externally and for the life of me I couldn't answer that question it's just bizarre and it wasn't until I was attending a menopause conference in London that, that and I, you know taking I used to sit there taking all these notes and this lecturer was starting to speak about this condition and then vaginal atrophy and I'm thinking oh my god this is me he's talking about me it had a name and all of a sudden, <laughs> I could do something about it. So tell us a bit more about your story, Jane. Yeah, well, I, um, it started off with the, the normal sore itchiness, painful sex, and you're told, or you assume you have thrush. I went to my GP, and then I was told I had a condition called lichen sclerosis, um, and he, I remember him examining me, because I thought it was thrush at first. I thought, I've got thrush, haven't I? He said, no, you've yeah. got and turn to cancer, don't worry, but we can cut it out. So that was my first um, into the world of my problem, which was obviously extremely scary. And then you get onto this conveyor belt of no one really knowing what the problem is, yet they should know because it's a really, really common part of menopause. And then you keep um, treating for thrush, even though it's not thrush. And if your tests come back negative as thrush, and then I, I, like you, I started getting on to Dr. Google, I'm afraid, because sometimes yeah. it can be very helpful. And I thought, gosh, this sounds like vaginal atrophy. So I, I, I went to a specialist just to check that I hadn't got anything else as well. And yes, it was. And um, for me, it did start at an earlier age than perhaps Miss Average, although younger women do seem to be getting it. Mine started at roughly uh, 45. I'm now 52. Mm. But it was truly... Um, truly awful and certainly yeah. women are self-treating assuming they have thrush when they really have a much higher chance that it is actual vaginal atrophy 
Yes, yeah. And of course, as you brought up in your book, it also happens after childbirth. Um, and um, and also there's, there's a particular problem about episiotomies. And I didn't know till I read your book that you could use local estrogen to heal that after childbirth. Nobody tells me. You know, I had a terrible time with my first birth. It was forceps and I tore. And I had a terrible wound there um, that became septic. And, and I felt, went to see the doctor because it was so painful. And I felt ashamed because I thought he would have a go at me for not keeping the area clean. And, of course, there was nothing further from the truth. But nobody tells us that, and maybe the doctor didn't know at the time. But I, I still don't think a lot of them particularly know now at all either. Um, yes. you know, when a lady's um, had a baby, and particularly when she's breastfeeding, her estrogen mm. levels are almost the same as a menopause or you know, a woman. And, yes. and quite often they can have um, vagina atrophy in the same way. Sex can be painful, mm. not just from the fact that they've had a baby, but because they've got dryness in the same way. And yes. the skin area doesn't heal as well. So there are some um, women's health physiotherapists who know about this and do recommend that you know, their patients get some local estrogen just to rub it in to help with the healing process while yes. they're going, going through um, this, this healing time. But it is such a small amount of people who... Yes. Oh, yeah, no, carry on. Isn't it? I'm just agreeing with you as you're speaking. And, and we'll talk Sense. about yes. um, uh, women's health physiotherapists in a moment. And I think perhaps what we haven't done yet on this call is just explain what vaginal atrophy is. And uh, perhaps you can do that, and then I will, I will jump in with any bits uh, about my own experience. Well... From the age of 35, um, not necessarily you're showing symptoms, but our, our hormones <coughs> start to dramatically start going downhill. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me, and then it becomes a bit of a roller coaster ride while in perimenopause until we then get through menopause and then more stable. But without us realising, you know, our skin is ageing. Everything you see externally starts to age, but we, all of us, myself included, seem to forget about what can happen to the vagina and vulval area. It's ageing in the same way. The elasticity goes. It can start to dry up. And so the lack of estrogen makes the vaginal walls become thinner and more fragile. The vaginal uh, itself can become, um, it's called shorter and narrower and, and tighter, but also old episiotomy scars for some ladies, they can actually start to split open. You, you feel like you have a constant UTI because the bladder itself and the urethra can become, because they are very estrogen um, sensitive areas the whole area really needs estrogen it it becomes the the inner labia becomes like can become like tissue paper or or disappear in some cases burning just like sitting on a bonfire all the time mm. and soreness it's just grim yeah just pretty miserable yes. and so many ladies they reckon only roughly seven percent will go to their gp to discuss it yes. and for some ladies some very serious conditions are being missed also Yes, that, it is terrible. I described it. Uh, I, actually, I went on TV on um, this morning, ITV this morning, and I had an eight-minute conversation with Philip Schofield about vaginal atrophy. Oh, well and done. It, it was amazing. Well and done. there was such a huge response to that um, because the, the word, it's bad enough that women can't get enough information about menopause because doctors are so ill-informed. 
But when you come to that particular area of your health, your sexual health, your relationship, it can be devastating. Yes, because and, marriages are mm, down. Yeah. Marriages yeah, divorces are, are happening, separations are happening. Yes, it nearly happened to me. Uh, we were on the, the steps of the divorce court screaming at each other because, A, because of all the emotional stuff I was going through because my hormones were up and down like a fiddler's elbow, but also because... Uh, I didn't want sex anymore. It's totally off the menu. My libido had disappeared. And, and I didn't know anything about it. Um, but luckily, we, we stepped back from that, and we are still married. Um, and, but that was all part of my journey about describing all this, this for women. And you've already spoken about women he- women's health physiotherapists, uh, which I hadn't heard of until I'd read your book. Um, and then again, I thought it was part of the NHS, but it's mostly private, I think you were saying. Well, they are available on the NHS, but it's more for ladies, uh, things like vulvodynia or chronic pain or leakage after baby. Um, mm. That is where you are more, get them on the NHS, but your GP might not even know they exist necessarily. I personally never even tried to go on the NHS. I did go private, not because I am wealthy and have lots of money, because I believe on the NHS you roughly see a um, women's health physiotherapist every four, six weeks, which is a big gap. When you start treatment, you are looking at sometimes going once a week, then two weekly, then then three weekly. But they can really they can really help with pelvic pain. They can help show you how to. Um, sort of get blood flow back to the area again and they can definitely help with incontinence that can be part of this age with the menopause because the pelvic floor gets is really affected through lack of estrogen and we are all rushing towards the incontinence pads and having some catastrophic surges potentially when a women's health physiotherapist can do so much so i say ladies before you use um your incontinence pads you search out a women's health physiotherapist and if that means going private then I would, and you can't afford it beg steal and borrow the money yeah I did did you mention a website well there are lots of um, I have my own website which has a link I'm starting to put links on about women's health physiotherapists mm-hmm. but um, where my own physiotherapist has actually put a blog up there about about this problem they are called Harborn physiotherapy they're in yeah. Birmingham okay Yes, yeah, so you, it does need to be more localised, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, so they're all around the country, everywhere you, wherever you, London, you know, they are up and down the country, women's yeah. health therapists. I believe there are thousands in the country now, and they are getting um, bigger. And they're also there for the men. If you've got any of your partners with erectile dysfunction, mm. and they've had their heart and all the other things checked out, um, yeah. they can do a lot for the guys as well, and yeah, physio, that- men's physiotherapists. Yes, that is fantastic. And and I'll mention your website. It's uh, mymenopausalvagina.co.uk. And uh, and I'll I'll put this on the details when we we publish this podcast, Jane, so that it's it's actually written in words. I will be adding all these things Mm. about these specialists that I have seen and certain conditions like vulvar cancer, etc. on weekly blogs. Yeah, but it also sounds to me a bit like um, menopause clinics. Uh, which seems to be as rare as hen's teeth. And I don't know what it is, why these specialists won't come forward and say, we have clinics here, there, and everywhere. 
it's I don't know do you know why they won't come forward I, I, I think it's I think it's women's problems because I, I believe that sexual health clinics are shutting down as well yeah um, it's short-sighted because it will save them the NHS in the long term a lot more money yes and also with regard to I was having um, I was seeing a, a private consultant about my um, postmenopause health now and where I've been prescribed testosterone and uh, long story short, I couldn't get to his clinic, so I tried to go to my local GP, who has prescribed my HRT, which is estrogen, um, estrogel, because it's a, a gel, eutrogestan, and also this testim, which is being replaced. It's being taken off the market because nobody's using it. Um, but my GP could not prescribe the testosterone. Something to do with the local CCG. I haven't got to the bottom of it. But again, it's, it's criminal. Why do they keep holding women up from improving their health? I just don't get it. Uh, it a, it's a lottery because the actual NICE guideline, guidelines do say that it, it can be prescribed off license, but it's whether that yes. GP and the CCG will allow it to be prescribed off license because I know of many ladies whose GPs hand it over straight away and my yes. own GP isn't allowed to. Um, yes. But there are so many women not being able to work due to not getting these hormones they need and want and they're not paying into the economy if they're not working. No, no. Um, and there's also, by, by coincidence, the government actually published a paper um, a year or so ago about the financial benefits of looking at menopause in the workplace and supporting women because it, it benefits everybody. They're con contributing to the economy in so many ways. It's just, I just don't get it. It's, it's they absolutely, and because we're living up to 30 years now post-menopause, um, yeah. This is a bit of a new era, and these are women who are looking at. You know, I still got teenagers who have had babies mm. later in, in, you know, in their forties, fifties, and there's a huge amount of pressure on these women, and they need every bit of help they can get if they want yes. to carry on with a career and doing what they're doing for the economy. That's right. Yeah. Well, I suppose uh, with, with my own business, Simply Hormones, we are starting to make waves and starting to make a lot more progress in that area. And we're talking to some big organizations. Um, but, but the sad part is it's always the women that come to us, not the senior male managers, directors, whoever, who are the purse holders and who provide the budgets to deal with this sort of thing. Um, and I suppose eventually we will get there because there will be such a volume of women saying, we want something done about this, uh, that it will happen. But it's just disappointing that they don't get involved at the initial stages. Um, I'd also, I'd like to go on next, Jane, if I may, to talk about the laser treatments that you discuss in your book because I thought it was one particular kind of laser treatment and then you put me right and said it was another so if you could describe the two sorts for us um, and perhaps name those types then um, then our listeners will be able to search them out on the internet themselves and find out if that's what they need to do so you thought I had an ablation, and I don't particularly know an awful lot about those, but I believe that goes into the womb and that is for very heavy periods and can stop yes. periods. That's not the type I had. I had um, a, something that's called the Mona Lisa Touch. I waited for three years to decide if I wanted to have it, but I'd got to such a bad place where I thought, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I, was in, I was up against the wall, basically. And I had it 
Um, it's, it's a laser that has some controversy around it. Laser treatment does. It's, called, it's got a bit of a bad name as the, the um, designer vagina. I can assure you after three nine-pound babies, I do not have a designer vagina. Mm-hmm. Um, but my episiotomies were on the verge of splitting open. If I, if I turned on a circle, on a, on a chair or something, then they were about to split. Mm-hmm. So I researched the laser treatment, and it's, um, it's a fractional, it's called a fractional CO2 laser, and... As I said, it does have some controversy around it, um, but for me, I decided to go for it. And they put a probe into the vagina and they laser it. It takes about I don't know, 30 seconds. But what they're doing is they are putting the minutest, minutest, tiny, I guess, tiny, tiny abrasions, pin pricks that um, then make the um, vagina or the the vaginal walls want to heal, heal itself, which then brings collagen and things back to the surface. And they do that internally, and, and some women only need it internally because their vaginal atrophy just involves internal and externally they're fine. But my, my worst problem is externally and in the vestibule. So, so, <coughs> excuse me. So they then laser externally. They go into the vestibule, the inner labia, the outer labia, and across my perineum, lasering all the scars. Internally, it was completely pain-free, just a little bit of a vibration. Externally, um, not so pleasant at all. I needed three internally and five externally because my scar tissue was really very bad. But my last one was now a year ago. I had five altogether. And for me, it hasn't cured me, absolutely not. But for me, it's definitely been worth it, and I will repeat it, because my episiotomies now, they are very, very bouncy and stretchy again. And my women's health physiotherapist, when she examined me internally and externally, she said if she hadn't have known me, she would say that my vagina internally feels like that of someone in her mid, mid-20s and externally the healing looks absolutely amazing. For some mm. ladies, it hasn't worked. For others, they are completely pain-free. And myself, I'm in the middle of the road. So it's something mm. you need to do really good research about for yourself. Um, also, what it has also done, because I couldn't actually tolerate Vagifem before mm. I had um, the Mona Lisa because final walls were so dry and sensitive that the actual vagifen that was trying to help me was making me worse because of the fillers in it. But since mm. having the treatment, after my fifth one, it took a long time, after my fifth one, I can now use vagifen again. And yeah. so the local eastern, it's allowed the local eastern to do its job correctly. Yeah. So if, and so if you're someone who's very, very bad with your vagina atrophy, do research and think about it. If, you're, if it is such an insignificant amount and your local estrogen is helping you, then I think that's all you stay with that. Yeah, and I, I think I'll just tell people about Vagifem, which is an excellent product. It's a, a localized estrogen, as, as you mentioned, and it's, like a, it's just a small tablet that's inserted into the vagina and you use it every day for a week initially and then it's about once or twice a fortnight or something like that depending on on your own needs but it's a very safe and useful choice for for women and That's it's right. I mean, the actual, health, isn't it? what they're saying now is because um lots of gps now use or especially you do it for um two weeks every night and then it's twice a week 
for life as necessary, but they now realise that many women, because they, they changed the amount that it was a few years ago, and they realise the dose now is, is far too low for many women. So some women are having it five every night, five to seven days a week yeah. um, for life. But if you only use it twice a week, um, that is the equivalent of one, and I say one, HRT pill a year. Most yeah. is that low. Yeah. So I use it every other night, and mm. if and I'm fine with that. And then the nights in between, I use um, yes. Oh yes. Mm. Areas externally that get still get quite dry and sore. Yes, um, I'm glad you've explained all that. And and talking about HRT, perhaps we can just move on to the controversy surrounding HRT because everywhere I go, even today, women still ask that question or they, they mention that phrase, oh, but I thought HRT caused breast cancer. Well, um, as, as I say, as we say in, in the part of the book that was written, um, yeah. it says I am... I am not pro-HRT, I'm pro-choice. Yeah. I am pro-getting the facts. Every, every, everyone is stuck in a 2002 um, mm. paper that was published that caused absolute chaos and fear. Um, and what we have to realise is, is when you read the book, you will understand, because we, we go through it bit by bit, but HRT, mostly in the UK now, there are still some GPs who are doing the older type, is what's called body identical, um, mm. used systemically. And it's the mare's urine one that is mm. the one that is to steer clear of. And that's where a lot of the trials are done. But the trials were done by a population that it wasn't suitable to be done with anyway. And mm. there are far more... Um, not easier there are other ways of getting breast cancer other than hrt you have yes. to remember the benefits hrt bring for osteoporosis your heart and they are now beginning to um think dementia and your mental health yes. um but if you are overweight and you drink alcohol and you're a smoker and you don't exercise then you are at far more risk of getting breast cancer than someone who is healthy and has a good diet and and does you know, exercise and life as a good walk every day and taking the HRT. Yeah, I think that's exactly the same story I tell, Jane. I'm so glad we're singing from the same song sheet. And as you say, it's all about choice. And for me, I was prescribed HRT uh, because I was diagnosed with um, osteopenia, which is the early stages of osteoporosis. And I can honestly say that the bone scans have shown that over a period of 18 months, my bones grew back to their what's considered normal in that particular age group. So um, I, I won't come off it ever. I'm really happy about what HRT is doing for me. And I have um, a friend of mine, 94 years old. She died recently, but she was on, she's been on HRT for about 40-odd years, and she was always singing its praises. So it's always something beneficial for, for women to think about, to consider and find out what the real options are, but they need to speak to a specialist, not necessarily their GP, who won't always understand it. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. You just have to, you have to do your own research and understand how that fear came from the original um, paper that was written, because mm. it's been completely overruled, but that 
that publication barely gets any headlines. No, that's right. Well, typical, isn't it? It's not scandalous enough. Um, but I was always, uh, what I often say to people is, if only I knew then what I know now. And would you say something similar? If you'd have known all this at the start, you could have perhaps either prevented some of the, the stages of vaginal atrophy or at least found relief sooner. Yeah, I just think we um, we're just not... Ed- and including the medical profession, you can't blame mm. them because they're almost being taught by the people who taught them 10 years ago, then 10 years, yeah. and nothing is changing. They're not being, we're not having new blood coming in and teaching the new findings. Mm. And as half the population are um, going to be in menopause and they want us to keep working, then this area needs to be seriously looked in because it's costing an awful lot of money for the NHS, yes. sending them for um, heart scans and this scan and that scan yeah. because all these symptoms are actually menopause. Yeah. And... Yeah, uh, there are certain specialists who believe that all women roughly from 40 on should moisturise their vulva area every day anyway with a, not something full of horrible chemicals and smells of roses. Mm. Because you're moisturising your face, it's getting dry. The same thing is happening to your vulva area, so to keep it well moisturised. There are also some, um, this is a very few, but those who understand what's happening in the vaginal area, that women over 40 should actually be using Vagifem as a preventative because so many women when they get into perimenopause they keep going to the loo they get up numerous times a night and they get lots of repeated UTIs what is highly likely happening is due to lack of estrogen that um, they've got vaginal atrophy but not necessarily showing its its true colours yet, but it's the start of it. Because vaginal atrophy has actually been renamed to GSM four years ago to genitourinary syndromes of menopause, as in the genitourinary. It affects the whole area. Yes, yeah. I wish they'd stop changing the names. I can't keep up with it. Yes, it's really odd. I'll tell you something. Um, we've had a lovely conversation here today, Jane, and I must tell everybody i have got you have very kindly sent me an image of the book which i'm going to put up with the podcast and i just love the lolly symbolism um i think it's a great metaphor how did that come about as four it has four sort of connotations that picture um we didn't want to have so my daughter the penny who wrote it um because I, I, I knew everything I wanted. I wrote it all down, but I couldn't physically do the writing of it. So I wrote everything down, and she ran with it. Yeah. And I found the sort of book cover I wanted. And she said, no, Mum, that's what everyone's book covers look like. She didn't want me smiling amongst daisies, daisies and isn't this wonderful. She said, we yeah. have to get something that really is bright and says, goodness me, what's all this about? So we yeah. have to have the word menopause on and the word vagina on it. And then the lollipop, it's just because it is so different and as you have read the books, I'm not going to spoil it for people, there is a section <laughs> where the lollipop is very relevant. Yes, yes. That area was actually written, or my daughter wrote it, but the whole... son in law because this book has been discussed by everybody. Yes, and so it should be, yes. Um, and even though it looks like a phallic symbol, uh, it's got so many connotations, as you say, but I think it's just, it's just brilliant. Yes, yes um, it, has, it has four. Um, but it just had to be something really different that grabs people's eye, the colour of the book and everything. We just wanted it bright and loud. Yes. Different. <laughs> well, you've achieved that in spade loads. I think it's brilliant. It's an excellent book, and I recommend it to everyone to read. 
um, because it's got so much valuable information in there. Whether you are seriously affected, affected by vaginal atrophy or lesser so to, to a lesser degree, you need to read this book. It's really good. And um, I thank you for your time today, Jane, in discussing it with me. And, um, and I love all the cartoons in the book as well. They're just, it's just so, so well put together. I, I applaud you for that. It's brilliant. My very first podcast, this is. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Well, we did okay, let me tell you. So I'm going to um, say thank you very much for joining me and close the recording down. Thank you very much, Jane. <laughs>